today yeah. and we're looking forward to this morning and all that we're going to do with him and with you and unlike those guys we don't have to wait we can no. we we have the holy spirit yes. with us and he said that he, he's looking for for those who will abide in his word and they're the sort of people he's looking to come and dwell with and manifest yes. himself to yeah. and, and and you know that's our heart as a church yeah. to, to be people of the word and people of the spirit so yeah. so kind of this is yeah. this is our sunday yeah and right now you can say holy spirit just come into our home right now he is there in you but we can invite him in and he comes in with his presence and uh, glory and he speaks to us he surrounds us he gives us everything that we need for today for this week and for this time that we're living in we mustn't be doing this time yeah. that we're living in on our own we must be doing it to him we must be saying holy spirit uh what are you saying at this time what is the father saying at this time because he brings the deep things from the father and then brings it to us. So what is the Father saying? What does he see? Because he has the answers. We're not on our own. Um, I believe that as we go forward in the, in the world at this time with treatments and vaccines and everything that we need for the world, he will bring. And I'm really looking forward to godly scientists that are working hard and are listening to the Holy Spirit and knowing exactly what he needs so he will do it we will come out of this time one way or another or that virus will just get completely eradicated and that is also what we what we're praying so it is going to be fine and thank you holy spirit for coming all those years ago and being with us today yeah amen amen so um we, we're going to launch into our meeting uh, just few quick reminders firstly uh, worship this evening at 5 30 and 8 p.m so uh, 5 30 with my complete then back room worship with uh, paul and susie at 8 p.m tonight uh, just a couple of things that, that we slight changes this week uh, we we do have our tuesday night bible study for end times bible study we've got our thursday night life group Yay. Um, i'll tell you a little bit more about the life group uh, in, in a moment but Tuesday night end time Bible study just for this one week only will be at a different time. It will be at 8.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. So that's this Tuesday. Of course, everything comes out on the email that comes out Tuesday morning with all the links and everything. So I'm not going to go into that. Just to say, it's slightly later time this Tuesday, 8.30 till 9.30 for the end times Bible study. Uh, and uh, Thursday, life group back as normal. Uh, and we'll send you the links out for that. Yeah. Um, kind of just really didn't want to go into the notice. We want you to be, just to to have everything available. That's why we send out the emails on Tuesday morning. So all the information's on there. You just open it. All the links are on there. Tells you everything that's going on in the week. So so do connect with that, and that mm. that will make sure that everything's in, in the right place. Yeah. Um, so we've got something a little bit special this morning. Cheryl's got some stuff on her heart that she wants to share. And uh, so we're just going to uh, really open the meeting uh, with Cheryl sharing a few things that she thinks are really important for this time. So I'm going to pray for her and then she's going to speak a few words for us. Okay. So Father, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. 
And we pray that as Cheryl speaks this morning, that, you, that we will have open hearts to hear and we will have a, a response from our spirit. So I pray that you will bless her words, Lord. Amen. 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 <coughs> I'm going to bring this over. Then I've got my notes. Um, so I mentioned last week that I had something, but we didn't bring it last week because Mark wanted to finish the series that he was doing. Um, I don't want to take a lot of time. <coughs> Am I in the right place, Mark? Yeah, 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 it's good. Um, because Mark's got a new series coming, starting today, and I know that is going to be really good. Um, I may not bring it all, and it may come out in a different format in the next few weeks, but there was just something that I felt that the Holy Spirit was saying to me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were doing the Thursday night uh, life group, um, we mentioned Proverbs 4, and particularly from verse 20 to 23. And we've been talking, I talked a couple of weeks ago, about how important it is to be in his presence and in that place to be in his word. Uh, presence and word together, spirit and word together. It is so pow powerful and that is what I believe Holy Spirit's been really putting on my heart. It is something that we do walk, we walk as a church, presence and word but I think at this time with everything that's going on everything's moving you know I think the government for however whether you agree with them or not they are doing their best in an unprecedented time to try and find a way through maybe not perfectly but I'm glad I'm not in that place doing it and they need our prayer at the moment but we also need to, need to be listening to the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what are you saying to us individually as a body and even wider than that what is he saying at this time and I think it's really important to be in his presence and be in his word so Proverbs 4 and I'm just really going to look at uh, verse 20 to 23 uh, this is from um, I'm going to read it from two versions so the New King James Version which I love and study from says, um, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And that's really what I felt the Holy Spirit was showing me, that at this time, to keep his words in our heart, to keep our heart with all diligence, because out of it springs the issues of life. Um, you know, it would be good after this time for you to take these verses, to meditate on them. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying? Because I'm only just going to bring a little bit of revelation now, but there is so much in these verses to unpack. 
um, in the New Living Translation, it says, My child, so this is God speaking to us, pay attention to what I say, what I say through the word and what I'm saying uh, directly, Holy Spirit to our spirit. Listen carefully to my words. That is the Logos word that we look at in the Bible, but also the Rima word. What is the Holy Spirit saying at this time? Don't lose sight of them. This is something that we must be uh, keeping right here every day. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. It's so important to keep our hearts uh, right at the moment, soft. And we do that by spending time with the Holy Spirit. Let him show us what we have in our heart that we need to deal with to keep our hearts soft. For they bring life to those who find them. There is something supernaturally coming to us as we read them, as we let the Holy Spirit expand them in our heart. They bring life. It's not just reading as any other book. The Bible, the whole of the Bible. Let us be students of the Word. That is the Bible from Genesis right to the end. You cannot say that parts of the Bible are better than the other. God speaks through his word. Right through, it's his word. So let his words penetrate deep in our hearts, for they are life, supernatural life that will actually flood our bones, flood our flesh, flood our hearts, flood our minds, and it will bring healing to our bodies. You know, that's really important throughout the whole of our life, that we become students of the Word and we know where to find in the Word the things that will help. If we need help healing, if we need to receive those life-giving words, those healing words, what is God saying to us in this season? If we need healing, we should have all of the hundreds of scriptures that talk about healing, not just by his stripes, I am healed, which is one that everybody seems to know. But in the word, there is such a depth of instruction and what God is saying. So as we read them, as we meditate on them, as we let them grow in our hearts, that's where the life comes. That's where the healing comes. And then he says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So it's so important, looking at verse 20, to give attention, the Lord says, to my words. And in the Hebrew, the word attention is from attend. And it means like an animal pricking up its ears to, to tune in, you know, to move its ears, to tune in, to listen to what the word is saying. And it reminded me of Lily, you know, when we, Lily's our dog. And when she is in here, she can be absolutely asleep, but then she'll hear a noise that she's not sure about and, and she'll be alert, she'll be up, but you can see her moving her head, moving her ears to try and get, what is that sound? Is this a safe sound? Is it a sound that I need to be alert about, protect my family? And she's there with her ears uh, trying to tune in to that sound. And it's so important that we learn how to tune the heart 
uh, our ears, our spiritual ears, which is in our heart, our spirit, to those words. Because, you know, I was thinking, uh, when, I, when you go to sleep, and we live where there's a busy road, it's not too busy at night, but in the morning, the traffic is really busy. And during the winter, it's not a problem because we keep our windows closed. But in the summer, as we're going to sleep, it's absolutely fine. Not a lot of traffic, and we can get to sleep. But in those first few weeks where we've had to open the windows to let fresh air in, the traffic, starting about five o'clock in the morning, wakes me up, I can't get back to sleep, all I can hear is this noise. Sometimes I have to get up and shut the window, then I can get back to sleep. Um, but after a few weeks, I tune it out. And the traffic can be there and I'll sleep through it and I won't notice it. And it can be really, really noisy. But I, and I remember when the children were little, not so much now, but when they were little, I could tune out the traffic. But if they moved, if I heard a little cry, my ears would be up and alert. And what is that? Do my children near us, need me? So we need to be able to tune out the things that we don't need, but be really alert and tune in that we think we need to hear from, from the Lord. And it's important that we do that and we can tune in and tune our heart um, to the right things at this time as we're reading his word and what is he saying to us. Holy Spirit, help me to hear directly from you and learn to hear his voice. We don't want to be hearing other voices at this time. We only need to be hearing his voice. So learning to tune in to his voice and tune out the voices of the enemy, our own voice that might bring fear or, or things into our hearts, only listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, in Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, uh, this is just an example of this, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. At this time of perhaps economic insecurity, we may, might feel insecure as to what's going to happen in the future. Will I be all right? Will I have enough? The word, as we are thinking on those things, the Holy Spirit will say, your God, my God, shall supply all your needs according to his riches. So then we don't have to go into fear we're guarding our heart, we're guarding what we're listening to. We're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 says, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into our hearts. It has to be a daily choice to attend to his word, hear his voice and keep them in our heart. Our relationship with him at this time must be the most important one. Our focus must be on him and what is his word saying. In all that is happening, what does God say? This will enable us to look through the lens of his eyes. We can have our word glasses on. We can keep stress at bay. But the word says in verse 22, the word as we read it brings health to our flesh. Healing know what the word says as I've already explained so verse 23 guard our hearts 
look after our hearts, keep it established on the things of God. What does he say about it, whatever is going on? Do what he says. Jesus said in John 14 verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. And I love what the uh, New Living Translation says. Um, just a minute. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So it's so important to not let our hearts be troubled at this time. Listen to what Jesus says. He was saying that to his disciples just before he went to the cross. Let not your hearts be troubled. So they were just going to go through a really difficult time as Jesus went to the cross. And yet they were able to take his word and meditate on it and if jesus says it then it must be possible it's not always easy and i think at that time and the word shows us that the disciples didn't find it easy when they were unsure about what was going on jesus was now on a cross this was not what they were expecting but then when they came through that time they could see what it all meant so if the word says let not our hearts be troubled Let's know that Jesus has the answer. We may not know it right now, but he has the answer and he will take us to that place. Um, last week I said I was going to uh, just um, talk a little bit about what is the heart, because I've mentioned a lot this morning about keeping our heart um, uh, soft and because out of it comes the issues of life. Um, let me just go back to Proverbs 4 that I'm in the right book. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I just want to finish with uh, what we teach uh, a little bit in um, the Rock Solid course about, because often people will say, well, what is the heart? Is the heart my spirit? Is the heart my soul? And the way Mark and I find it helpful to explain it is that um, our spirit is the bit in us, and often we sort of say it's sort of in here, uh, that is born again. When, and you all know this, when God breathed his spirit into Adam and his spirit was connected to the father and they walked together spirit to spirit and when Adam fell his spirit died and was no longer connected to the father. When we accept Jesus with all of our heart, Acts 8.37 says when you accept him with all of your heart then the spirit is born again. It was dead, it now is born again, and is now alive. From something that was dead and different to now alive. So that's our spirit. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. 
and that's where all our thought processes are and our emotions how they affect us in our soul and our soul is often uh, the part of us that needs healing if we've been through trauma difficult times so we we need to uh, watch how our soul is what is going on in our mind and our soul um, but how long can I think it's helpful to know where the heart is if you imagine a little circle and that's your spirit and that is totally perfect connected to God the Holy Spirit speaks to us in the spirit when we read the word the word drops down into our spirit and what we want to do is get the things that are in that perfect spirit through into our soul let the spirit speak to us let it affect our soul let it affect our mind let it affect our emotions and our will and so if you imagine a circle as a spirit a circle as the soul and then just slightly drop the top circle down and in that little place there where the two circles match that's your heart so the spirit speaks to our soul but it goes through our heart and so we want to be careful and keep our heart soft because we want the spirit to be able to affect our soul with what he is saying we want to not harden that place of our heart because it's harder for the spirit to speak to us through our heart to affect our soul our mind our will and our emotions our soul is not perfect when we became a christian we still had all of that stuff immediately the spirit can affect our soul but it is often the one that takes quite a bit of working on sometimes for the rest of our life but the heart is just the place where the issues of life rest and that is the bit that we really need to be careful with keep it soft let the holy spirit work on our heart our spirit our born again spirit has the mind of christ 1 corinthians 2 verse 16 it knows all things 1 john 2 verse 20 it is exactly as christ and always believes god 1 john 4 verse 17 so in our spirit we have all of these things exactly as christ and and it always believes god but that's not usually where we are in our soul and that's the bit that we need to move from uh, this the process of sanctification where we move to be more like jesus we have everything that jesus has given us in our spirit but in our heart and soul that's where we need that sanctification becoming more like jesus more like what is in our spirit so um faith life and i'm speaking to me here that was quite a lot to bring um but i hope that it will just remind us and me to stay in his presence to stay in his word these are the reasons why we need to keep the word right in front of us let the word get into our spirit let it affect the whole of our heart and our soul so that we can stand strong in this time we can hear his voice we can become more like jesus we can get rid of all the fear and the stress that is trying to invade us at this moment as we dwell in his presence 
and put the word from our spirit into our mind. Amen? Amen. So Father, I just ask that you will help us to do this. It's not always easy, but we desire it because we want to receive your life-giving word and presence at this time. We want to clearly tune our ears and hear your voice. What are you saying to each of us at this time? We want to keep our hearts soft and guard it because out of it comes the issues of life. And we want what comes out of it will be just what you are saying to us, to us in this season, so that we can stand strong, not being fearful, but be strong in faith. So Holy Spirit, take your truth deep into our heart now and help us to live from it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Some really good stuff there. Um, you know, it's just so important that we uh, allow ourselves the space and the time in our life to let the word uh, just get really deep in us and, and for the Holy Spirit to take that word, yeah. to bring it alive and, and cause transformation in our life. It's just so important. And in doing that, you know, Cheryl said, really key that we guard what is going in mm. to our hearts yeah and, and that we can hear that whisper that i won't bring it back this week no and <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to be able to hear the whisper of the father you know that voice it's often i wish that it would come as a great big sounding trumpet it's like oh i hear you um and he does do that sometimes, but most of the time it's in that secret place, that time with him. And as we tune our ears, we can hear the whisper of his voice. We don't want to hear the whisper of the enemy. We just want to hear his voice. And yeah. that's difficult if our heart is hard, hard, if we don't spend time with him, if we don't spend time in his presence and in, in the word, putting the word in, putting the word in has got to be a constant thing. And then when we go and spend time with him, he whispers to it, and we will hear what he's saying, knowing that we're not yeah. on our own. Amen. 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 So we're, we're going to share communion now, share it as a family. Um, you know, whilst I was speaking, I get to sit behind the camera, I can see that, that, that there's a lot of you there. Uh, that is just so good. You know, it's, it's really important at this time that uh, we do connect all at the same time. There's this temptation, isn't there, to think, well, Maybe I'll, I'll do something else this morning and catch up in the week and so on. And, and the enemy will use that. I, I, we understand that some people work Sunday mornings at, you know, intermittently and all that. But it's so important that we continue to gather together online. Because as we do that, we can share as a family. It stops the enemy picking us off. It stops him going, you know, like, oh, well, I'll, I'll listen to it during the week. And then we don't get round to it. And... And when we miss out on the things like sharing communion as a family, although we can't do it all in the same room, we're still one family in the spirit. Yeah. So we're going to share communion now. So if you've got your, your bread and, and your wine or whatever you have, um, and, we, and we do this just remembering that, that in doing this, Jesus created a, a new covenant with us, a covenant of word and spirit. And, uh, you know, he paid the price so that we could have the benefit of that, that forgiveness and that access 
into the presence of mm. God. Yeah. So as we take the bread now, we remember his body broken for yes. us on the cross. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. we share the wine we remember his blood shed for us the blood mm -hmm. in which that covenant is written and we thank him we thank him that that blood gives us protection there's healing in that there's life in all its fullness so we thank you jesus yeah. amen amen Amen. Amen. Yeah, remember what Jesus did, don't we, on the cross. It's so important to remember yeah. what he has done and given to us. And then that enabled, what he did, enabled us to become born again as the Holy Spirit then can come and live on the inside of us. And um, we can hear his voice. Yeah. You know, um, one of the, the, the great things that, that God has uh, told us to do is to remember things. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, when Israel had great victories, or when they did something significant happen, that, that there was a display of God's power, like crossing the River Jordan and, and so on, they would put piles of stones there to remember what happened. So every time they, somebody walked past that, they go, this is what happened there, this is what happened there. And you know, the greatest victory of all was Jesus' victory on the cross. And that's why we do this, to remember that victory, to, yeah. to, to know everything that is now made available to us because of what Christ did for us. So it's just so important yeah. that we remember. Yeah, Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, particularly today, for coming and living on the inside of us. Yeah. Amen. 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 So we're going to just uh, take our offering now. You know, it's a virtual offering, but it needs you to do something. Thank you, those who have been so consistent in this, uh, finding ways of giving. Um, you can, of course, just give directly online. There's a, there's a really simple way to do that. Go to our website, www.faithlifechurch.org.uk. Click on the resources button, and then you'll see there's a, there's a, a place you can go to called Giving. Really simple to do it, uh, takes about a minute, really simple, and, and quite, a no, quite a number of you uh, are giving that way. Uh, and, but we also know that a number of you are just doing direct transfers, you're, you're tech savvy, you know, you've got your online banking working to perfection and all that sort of thing. Uh, so just to remind of the, the details, the, the, the account is Faith Life Church Cambridge, and uh, sort code... 2017-22, that's 2017-22, account number 7009-3084, 7009-3084, and you know, we just, 
uh, really grateful for those who, who, who give old style. You know, we, we still, uh, it, it's such a joy, you know, when you go to the post box and somebody sent a check in and, and we, and just thank you for those that are giving that way as well. So thank you for your faithfulness in this. Father, we just thank you for all your provision for us. We thank you that you are our source, you are our provider. And of our first fruits, we give to you now our tithes and our offerings. And we thank you and praise you and ask you to multiply these, to take them and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've got a uh, first part of Mark's series that he's uh, bringing over the next few weeks. And uh, I'm going to pray for you and then we can hear your word. Amen. Well, the Father's word, but through you. Yeah. <laughs> so Father, I thank you for Mark this morning that you have anointed him to bring your word. We look forward to all that you are going to say to us. And I ask this morning that the very word that you know each of us need will enter our hearts. So we prepare our hearts now to receive from you. And we thank you for what you are going to speak to us this morning. Amen. 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 So what we're going to um, be looking at, if you've seen the, the sort of information, the, the advert, all the Facebook stuff, a uh, new series called First Love. And what we're going to be looking at is uh, the letter that, that Jesus dictated uh, to John at the beginning of the book of Revelation to the church at Ephesus. So not the letter to the Ephesians, but a different letter written by Jesus to the church at Ephesus. And uh, I'll, I'll explain in a minute how that, that ties in with what, what, what we're talking about. Because God has been talking to us uh, as a body uh, as a church, and I believe this is for the wider body as well, that, that there is a call to return to our first love. And that's what's referred to in this letter to the church at Ephesus uh, at the beginning of Revelation chapter 2. So that's where we're going to be going, Revelation chapter 2. We, we'll take a few weeks over this, just to tell you uh, a little bit more about where we're going in relation and linking in with this. Uh, on Thursday nights, our normal life group, what we, we're going to be doing in the normal life group is, firstly, one or two of you asked me to do a little bit of a follow-up to what I spoke about last week about the fear of the Lord. So we're going to be starting to look at that this week. But as soon as we finish that, we're going to be looking at another one of those letters, the letter to the church at Laodicea. Joel just switched your phone off. <laughs> um, so we're going to be looking at the, the letter to the church at Laodicea in Thursday Night Life. Do you remember that's uh, the church that Jesus wrote to and said, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And as a result of that, he was unhappy with them. So that, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at that in detail. But on these Sunday mornings for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this passage uh, that... that Jesus writes to the church at Ephesus, and it starts in Revelation chapter 2. So let's go there. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, 
He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, says these things. I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles but are not, and you've found them to be liars. You've endured and have been patient, and for my name's sake have laboured and not grown weary. But I have something against you, that you have abandoned your first love. Remember therefore where you were, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first, or I will come quickly and remove your candlestick from its place unless you repent. But this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so we're going to take a few weeks to understanding exactly what's been said there. You know, after, after, I think this is written something like 40 years after the church in Ephesus is founded. And after all those years of serving God faithfully, doing, you know, so you, you look at those initial uh, uh, verses and you go, this is a fantastic church. This is an amazing church. Look at all that they've got right. And yet they'd lost their excitement. They'd lost their whole hearty devotion. They'd lost their intimacy, that genuine relationship with, with Jesus. And they'd lost sight of the one who should be at the centre of the church. Um, they were doing all the right things and doing them really well, but they'd lost sight of the reason why they were doing them and for whom they were doing them. In other words, the works, the good things that they were doing had become an end in themselves and had got to the place where they were actually prejudicing the ability to have a relationship. The emphasis is on, was on the doing and not on that divine connection with Jesus himself. You know, uh, people who talk about in, in management speak, and there's a lot of management speak that gets talked about churches, they talk about scorecards. How are you doing? How are you measuring this? How, how is this working? And the, the trouble with this church is that their scorecard became the works that they were doing, the good things they were doing, instead of their scorecard being the depth and reality of relationship they had with Jesus and the depth and reality of relationship they had with each other. Now, I'm going to just give you some background to what was going on here. You see, Ephesus was a really strategic church. From Ephesus, churches were planted across a large part of Asia. And the reason for that is that from Ephesus, it was kind of a centre where lots of roads went off in di different directions and they went to all the different parts of Asia. Uh, it was kind of like a gatekeeper or a gateway to the rest of Asia. And all the other churches that you read about in, in this, this book of Revelation were planted out of this church in Ephesus. Paul himself spent three years there training apostles, training disciples who would go and plant churches. 
He spent longer here than he did anywhere else. Typically, he spent three to six months in other places. He spent three years in Ephesus developing an apostle and discipleship training school. And then he sent them out and they planted these churches. Now, the other thing to note about Ephesus is it was by far the biggest church that existed at that time. By a long way. It was the most notable, it was the most powerful, it was wealthy. It was a mega church. There, there, there were a few thousand people there. It was a mega church of its day. It was so much bigger than all the other churches. And it, and it was doing all these good things, and yet Jesus said, but you've lost your first love. You've lost the thing that's important. And alongside that, because it was such a big church, and because of where it was, it, it kept having these regular opportunities. Opportunities who were creeping to the church, and they started preaching all sorts of ideas from other places, from their own revelation, claiming that, that they, 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 were, they were believers, but actually leading people away. And then, you know, you've got the, the situation where Jesus is writing to this church and he's talking to the Apostle John. Now, when we think of Ephesus, we normally associate that with Paul because he writes the letter to the Ephesians and he's the one that planted the church. But this is such a crucial, important place to the Apostle John. This, this is the church that has his heart. Although the church was founded by Paul, and then Paul gave responsibility for this particular church to John, uh, to, to Timothy, John himself actually lived there in Ephesus for decades. It's a place he moved to with Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's the place that they settled. And whilst Paul, you know, whilst initially it started, Paul was providing guidance and oversight. When Paul uh, was killed, what happened was that John then stepped in and provided oversight and guidance for all those churches that had been planted across Asia. So he's the one responsible for this church. In fact, if you go to Ephesus now, there's... One of the, 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 the major buildings in Ephesus, although it's, it, it's partly ruined, is uh, something that was built in the 5th century called the Basilica of St. John. And that basilica in Ephesus itself was built over a, a smaller church uh, that had been there for, for a few hundred years. And in that church, un, under all that big basilica, under that original church, is where the Apostle John is buried. Now, he spent, um, you know, decades in Ephesus, but he had the habit, as many of the apostles did, of upsetting the rulers at that time. And he upset this emperor called Domitian. Domitian was a, a ruthless, evil Roman emperor. And he, he got so upset with the trouble that he th perceived that John was causing him, that he, he called him to, uh, he had him arrested, he had him taken away from Ephesus, he had him put on trial, and the early church fathers tell us this, that what happened was that he, he was on trial, he was convicted, and Domitian ordered that he be uh, killed by being boiled in oil. And so they took John, they boiled him in, they put him in this boiling vat of oil, 
And the early church fathers say that what happened was that when they came to fish out what should have been left, which was just the bones, they pulled out John intact, alive, and unharmed. And because of that, uh, because Domitian couldn't kill him, he exiled him to this place called Patmos. And this place called Patmos is where this is happening. Patmos is a horrible island. It, it's barren, it's got very few trees, there's no shelter, there's baking heat comes down on it all day, there's very little to eat, there's, there's only a limited amount of fresh water, and there's, there's no cover. So John was living in this cave on Patmos, in exile, separated from this church that he loved and these people he loved, and Jesus comes on the scene. So that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with that situation. Now, why John? Why, why should we take seriously what he's been said in this letter that was written 2,000 years ago? Well, there's the pat answer, of course, isn't there? Well, you should take it seriously because it's in the Bible and the Bible's written for us today and so on. But we take it seriously, firstly, because of the nature of who John is. You see, John is able to speak into their lives and able to speak into our lives because his heart was for them. When your heart is for somebody, you're in the right place to receive Christ's heart for that person. And that that's so important. That's so important for us in the days we live in. Because there is a temptation to connect to all sorts of things and all sorts of people um, who don't even know you, who, who, who are not connected to you in that way. And, and, you know, sometimes people, they come along and they want to speak into your life. But the truth is, they're just passing through and their heart isn't really for you. And sometimes people come along and they'll say, well, I, I'm speaking, Christ gave me this to say to you. Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking the gift of prophecy. I love the gift of prophecy. But the truth is that, that Scripture tells us that without love, what you're hearing is likely to be out of tune. So there's something much more important about having covenant relationship with those who are speaking into your life and those who are part of your church family that, 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 that John is representing here. You know, you might remember that uh, Paul said that without love, even though I'm speaking the words of God, I'm just like a clanging cymbal because I'm out of tune. You see... When we speak into somebody's life, like John is going to speak to this church the words that Jesus gave him, it's love that makes a difference. It's love that tunes us to the heart of Christ, because Christ is love. God is love. Jesus is love. So love tunes us to the heart of Christ. It's so important we, we major on this uh, this topic of, of knowing God's love and expressing God's love and being in tune with God's love because that tunes us to the heart of Christ. And when we tune to the heart of Christ, we can speak much more uh, effectively into others' lives because we will love them the way Christ loves them. And that, that's what John's displaying here. 
And it's, it's, it's Christ's love that tunes us to the heart of others. Now, I just want to take you, you, you back a little bit from this because this morning, I, basically, I'm just setting the scene for the, the, the rest of the talks. Um, I want to take you back to chapter one, so you don't have to turn anywhere unless it's fallen badly on your page. And I'm going to uh, chapter one, verse nine, just to show you about really where John was positioning himself. You see, John's first love was not for himself. It wasn't for his own glory, and it wasn't for his own reputation or his own ministry. John's first love was for Christ and for them in their situation. And so he says this, and it's chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle, it's called Patmos, on account of the word of God and giving testimony of Jesus Christ. So that's the bit I told you about before, but I just want you to see some words here that are just so expressive of this heart that God has for you and the heart that was expressing itself through John to this church at this time. And he calls himself, firstly, your brother. Now, I was, I was reading that and it just struck me that he didn't use a phrase like your overseer or your bishop or uh, the minister in charge or senior leader or any of those phrases. He wasn't concerned about his own fame, his own reputation, his own standing, his own position. You see, this word brother is a Greek word, adelphos. And that word was a medical term. So when he, when, when, when he uses the word brother, what he's saying in is we are two from the same womb. We, we, are, we are two that have come from the, the same, uh, same place, born from the same place. And, and it also meant, it, uh, it, it could also be used as a military term, and it meant comrades who were fighting alongside each other in battle. Here's the point I'm making. The message, the message was that he's saying, even though you, you live in a world of, of tribulation, of, of persecution, you're not in this fight alone. We're coming from the same family, we've got the same DNA, and I'm right there in this with you, alongside you, and I understand. And for us, our message as a body, our message as faith life is, is right at this time, for every single one of us, we can, we can, um, we, we're in covenant with each other that we're not facing these things alone that are going on around us, but we're facing them together and we're here for each other. And it's so important that we remember that. When all these things got going on around us, and it's been going on so long now, that we remember that we're here for each other. And that's a core message that, that we have in our values, that we, are, we have a family who are rooted and grounded in love. And, and so we just need to keep remembering that and bringing that to the forefront of who we are. And then he uses this word companion. Companion there, the, the, the word means uh, 
two who mutually share the same place. Uh, two who share the same problems, same issues and same pressures. And the me message again that, that he's giving by using that word is this ordeal you're going through, I understand it, my heart's for you and I'm engaged with it. But he's taking a step further because what he's really saying is you and me are in this together, but we're not alone either. When this pressure's on us, we're not alone. Uh, because Jesus is right here with me and you. And he understands, and he's our firstborn brother, he's the first from this womb, and he's in the midst of us to see us through. Because what we've got here is we've got tribulation. Tribulation, what's tribulation? Tribulation is, is pressure. In fact, it's, it's more than pressure. You know, people say well, it's pressure or persecution. Actually, the, when, when that word tribulation is used, what it means is so many things coming from so many sides that it's suffocating. It's just pushing you down and pressing you in and suffocating you. And, and that's what it means when it uses this word tribulation. And what John is saying is that place of tribulation is exactly where Jesus is holding you fast. So right now, for us, Jesus is right there in the middle of it. He understands all our individual issues and circumstances and problems and health concerns and, and finance concerns. And he's right there in the middle of it. He's taking that pressure, that suffocating pressure, and he's saying to you, as a body and as an individual, we are getting through this. Because I'm right there with you, I love you, and I've got the strength to see you through. John uses a, this phrase then, he goes on and says, the patience of Jesus Christ. And, and I love that phrase because, you know, patience is one of the things that I'm not naturally blessed with. I'm kind of an impatient sort of guy, really. Shell's nodding. <laughs> I want everything doing. I want to get on with things. And, but this, this word he uses here, patience, is, is a Greek word, hupomone, H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. You can pronounce it how you want. And it means to stay in the place you are grounded and to defiantly stick it out under pressure. It's not like, like a passive patience of just like, Oh, I just need to sit here and be paid. It's a, it's a defiance that you will not give in to the pressure. You will not give in to stuff that's all around you, but instead you will anchor to Jesus. Anchor to your first love, the one who is at the centre of everything. Anchor to Jesus. And, you know, we, we have this phrase that, that is coming and out in, in faith life, don't we? It goes back to the time of the credit crisis, which is, I'm not giving up. I am not backing down. I am not stopping now. I'm not just surviving, but I'm thriving. And that is patience. I am not giving up. I'm not backing down. Shell says I'm good at that. So I'm good at patience now. I've transformed the view of patience. It's, it's hanging in their power. It's outlasting power. It's a sticking where you are defiantly till you come out the other side. It's 
An attitude that turns down every opportunity to quit. I, I think of it like this, that I'm sure this isn't English, but it, it should be in the dictionary if it is. It's stick it out ability. Stick it out ability. That's what he's talking about. And John's saying, well, even though I'm here suffering in this cave, scavenging for food, no shelter for the evidence, I am not alone and I have what I need because I've got my first love and it's Jesus. And he said, I've been given supernatural, enduring, stick it out ability from Christ and I'm going to use it because that power enables me to remain faithful to God in times of pressure, in times of suffocation, in times of things being overwhelming, and to come out the other side and not lose my love for him despite what is happening around me. And that's so important. It's so important that we, we don't lose that love for him despite what is going on around us. We stick to our first love. Now, I just want you to, to see one more thing before I finish this morning. So, I've already said that John was in a perfect position to help them because his heart was for them. His heart was genuinely, uh, you know, reaching out towards them. He, he wasn't trying to... Uh, speak into their lives or manipulate them but his heart was genuinely for them so he was the right person to speak into their lives now the second thing i want you to see is this that john always points to someone else who is much more important which is jesus and the one who is to be first place the one who is to be first love is Jesus at the centre of our heart and affections. The one who is to be in first place, our first love, is Jesus. And he's the one to be the centre of our heart and the centre of the, our affections. Now just go on with me. Uh, I'll just remove my, my bookmark now because I'm, I'm staying in the same place. Um, still in verse uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? Because you can get all sorts of fanciful ideas about what being in the spirit was, but actually this is, this is pretty supernatural. He's not talking about praying. He's not saying, well, I was praying in the spirit. He's, he's not saying that. The, the words that he uses there, what, he's actually, what they actually refer to is a transitioning from one realm to another, to the spiritual realm that was unexpected to him. In other words, he said, I entered the spiritual dimension and I saw Jesus. And this is absolutely stunning because we know these words, it doesn't have this effect on us. But remember the last things that John saw of Jesus, he'd been crucified on the cross. He, he, he got the, the, the holes in his hands, the, the scars in his feet. He, he, yes, he had a resurrection body, but John saw him in that, that, that place of just being recently crucified and raised from the dead. Now, that's magnificent in himself. But, you know, Jesus doesn't look like that anymore. 
And, and John, he's, he's taken into the spiritual realm and he sees Jesus as no one else has ever seen him before and he writes down for us exactly who this Jesus is, who is at the centre, the first love of everything. A Jesus who's no longer limited, no longer suffering, no longer on the cross. A Jesus who is king, who is firstborn, who's the only one who is worthy and he says, that's your first love. That's your first love. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And there's nobody else that compares. Nobody else like him. Nobody in the entirety of history who ever will be like him, ever was like him. And he's a league of his own. And I want to tell you what he looks like. So he goes on. He says, I turned to see the voice. This is verse 12. That spoke with me. And then when I turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the candlesticks was one like a son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, with a gold shaft, Sash wrapped around his chest. Now, let me just fill you in because you can get, when you get into Revelation, you can get all these things about candlesticks and all that. What's he saying? Well, this is the first thing he's saying, and, and it's so easy to, to, to rush over this and go, well, you know, he's just talking about candlesticks. No idea what that is. The, when he says golden candlesticks or golden lampstand, that word golden there is crusos. And it means not just like bits of gold, it means pure gold. It means precious. It, it's gold that is so refined, it's fit for royalty and kings. The best and most valuable gold that there is to buy. And, it, and he's saying that, that and, and he goes on in verse 20, just have a look down. He says, and these golden uh, candlesticks, these golden lampstands, they represent the seven churches. Now, just, just understand this. The message that this is saying is that the church is pure gold in Jesus' eyes. The church is pure gold in Jesus' eyes. Faith life, we are pure gold in Jesus' eyes. Every single member of this church is pure gold in Jesus' eyes. Everybody in the body of Christ is pure gold in Jesus' eyes. And, it, and it's like, you know, like Jesus, it's like gold was extracted from a rock. He, he stepped down into the darkness. Of, you know, gold is extracted from a rock, but Jesus stepped down into the darkness of sin to extract the church from that lost and sick world. Just like gold's extracted from a rock, Jesus stepped down into that darkness and he pulled us out. He, he, he pulled us out and he refined us and he redeemed us from the wreckage and rubble and waste of our lives. And this is what he said. He says, you are pure gold to me. You are the most precious thing that I have. You are the most valuable thing in my heart. You are, you are gold and I have made you and I pulled you out of that darkness into a new life and made you fit for royalty. I made you fit to, to sit alongside me in heavenly places because you are the most precious possession I have. And Jesus is saying that right to us this morning. Every single one of us, you are the most precious possession that he has. You are infinitely valuable to him. He's, you are like pure gold, the most valuable, costly thing. And he gave his life for you to, to, to redeem you from that darkness. And he calls you the most valuable thing in his heart. You know, we, we might kind of feel disappointed with some of the things that have happened to us in church over the years. Uh, you know, it, 
I, I don't know how many people, there's a lot of people who watch this that I don't even know your names. And you might have had bad experiences in church. But Jesus is saying, these people that I call my church are precious to me. They're the most valuable thing I have. So don't attack them. Treat them as the most valuable thing that Jesus has. You might see imperfections. But Jesus said, it's okay. I've got my work of purification underway. And I'm mining that gold that I see in my church. You know, it goes on, it, it describes Jesus as having um, head of hair, white like wool, as white as snow. What's he, what's he saying? Well, that, that's just a, a, a direct take from a description that Daniel has for the Ancient of Days. John, right there and then, he's been shown the glory that Jesus had with the Father before the world was ever created. He's been shown the glory of heaven shining from Jesus' face. And, and it's such, it's an incendiary brightness of glory. I want you to understand that. This is, this is burning white incendiary glory, white hot glory, white hot purity that surrounds Jesus. And it's and it, and so much a part of who he is and what he has that it even goes to the end cell of every hair. You know, and then, then we get this description of him as having eyes of fire. You know, not only incendiary glory all around him that, 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 that shines, but eyes of burning fire. And, you know, when, when, we, when we look at that, you know, there's a twofold aspect to that. And we need to understand that, that there is good news and bad news in this. And, and this twofold aspect is that no activity of man escapes the gaze of those eyes. He sees everything, he will judge everything. You know, it's a truth that there will be, for all the, the things that are done in this world, in our lives, in the life of every single person on planet Earth, there will be justice. That the saints who have been martyred, the, the people who have been persecuted, those who have been uh, mistreated, those who have been uh, just rejected because of their love for Jesus, there will be justice. And there is justice. In t this is how it works. There's justice either in this life because those people turn to Jesus and the justice that they should have faced is, is rendered on Jesus and they receive that, that, that justice is, is, is served on Jesus. But for those who do not trust, put their trust in Jesus, those who do not have him as Lord of their life, those who do not receive his grace by faith, there will be justice. There will be justice for everything done. And, and that's our saviour. He is not only... Uh, so glorious and, and so powerful, but he's also perfectly just. You know, even as believers, we give an account of our life, not for, for justice in the way of punishment, but for reward. And, and it's important we keep our eyes on that, 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 that everything we do, we are accountable to this king for. 
And then it describes Jesus' voice, and it comes out as this voice of many waters. Actually, I, I probably just skipped something there, didn't I? I told you there's two aspects. The second aspect is this. The fire in his eyes represents the burning, fiery love he has for those who put their trust in him. His burning, fiery love for his church. And it's an intense, burning, passionate love that he has for you. And then he speaks with this voice of many waters. What does that mean? Well, the voice of many waters is just the voice of God himself. It's this tumultuous sound that comes forth from God, and God calls it Zoe life. You know, when God speaks, it's life. It's life to all our flesh. And it, and it talks about Jesus having this two-edged sword. I want you to understand this, and, and I'm going to finish with this, because it's just... I, I could talk about Jesus all day, but it's just incredible what John is saying. He's, he's saying... I saw this Jesus on my horrible little exiled island with no shade, no very scavenging for food, hardly any water, living in a cave, trying to get through just to the next day. And I saw Jesus. And out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. What's he saying? That word two-edged literally is two-mouthed sword two-mouthed that's strange isn't it what does two-mouthed mean it means this and this is just incredible this is what jesus is looking for from his church you see what it's saying is that god speaks the words that initially the word of God comes from the, the mouth of God. But to have effect, and this is just amazing, God has chosen that rather than just dictating everything, it needs to be two-mouthed. It needs man on earth to come into agreement with the word of God and to speak those words too. Jesus as God and man has both sides. For us right now, we speak the truth of God's word, the promises of God's word, and we see the manifestation, that incendiary glory of the kingdom of heaven come to pass on earth because God spoke it first and now we speak in faith. And it's faith people that this is given to. It's people who will believe and, and make Jesus the one who is at the centre of life. You know, the truth is this, that, that Jesus has you right at the centre of his heart. You are the most precious, valuable, refined, golden treasure fit for royalty. And he's put you and sealed you right at the centre of his heart. And that is how valuable to him. That's how he thinks of you. That's how important you are to him. You are the love of his heart. And yet... Whilst you are the centre of his heart, we are not the centre of the universe. He is. He is the first one. He is the firstborn. He is the one who is worthy. He is the one full of glory. He is the one who will bring justice. He is the one with his burning, fiery love. He is the one who, who works miracles. He is the one who is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and dwells in glory. And we'll be with him one day.
but our first love must be for the one who is at the center of everything for jesus himself he is the great treasure he is the source the embodiment of all good he is the source the embodiment of all love he is the source, the embodiment of all worth. He's the source, the embodiment of all power. The source, the embodiment of everything that is of value. And John's saying, this Jesus, who I saw, is the goal of first love. Amen. Amen. So Father, we just want to thank you, we praise you, we glorify you. And we choose right now, to put you at the centre of our vision, our first love, the one we choose. And where you've drifted away from the centre, Lord, we desire you to be placed back there. And we place you back there. And for those of you who, who don't know Jesus, who, who you've kind of stumbled on this talk by accident, or for those of you who, who feel you've drifted away and Jesus was no longer the centre of your life, no longer the centre, the most valuable thing, the, the place you put your time, your energies, your, your, your devotion to. I just want you to pray with me. Father, I choose to make Jesus my Lord. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrong. I ask you to forgive me for putting other things at the centre of my life. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come, I give my life to you, and I make you Lord of my life, the centre of my life, the centre of my devotion. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come to, to give me new birth, new desires, and new life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.
So Holy Spirit, I thank you that 2,000 years you were sent to us to help us believe that you came, you set us free, that when we say, I believe with all of my heart, you come and dwell with us and you point us to Jesus as that passionate, burning love that we can believe with all of our heart what you are saying and receive everything that we need for this time and beyond. And for that, we thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray now that you will fill everybody that is watching this afresh with yourself, that we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in power and might, that we can believe more and more and more that you can help us keep our hearts soft to receive from you everything that you have for us. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. That it's your perfection. It's your love that we desire. So we thank you. I pray blessing over you, Faith Life, today as you go into this week. May his face shine on you. May his presence be with you. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. Keep your heart soft. Stay in the word. Re-listen to what Mark's just spoken. And we look forward to more. There's more coming each week on this, the love of God, and know that we're going to be greatly blessed. So have a look on the emails for what's happening in the week, during the week. We've got prayer and worship on each day. We've got tea at three where you can connect with people. Uh, with, uh, there was a quiz night last night, so there is lots going on to stay connected, stay connected, ring each other, and um, we love you, Faith Life, and we leave you now with a piece of music. Amen. Be blessed. Love you all.